Empathy is knowing our own dark Words have power. Like Without they that have connection, you don't have anything. What's the opposite of addiction? It's freedom. Hello and welcome to Finding Peaks. I'm Jason Friesma, Chief Clinical Officer of Peaks Recovery Centers here in Colorado Springs and Denver. Joining me today, uh, Madeline Padilla, Admissions Specialist, uh, slash test driving co-host uh, here with me today, guest co-host maybe, yeah, <laughs> and, um, and Samantha Archuleta, primary therapist uh, for our IOP program as well as uh, doing some work for our in residential program as well. Um, thank you guys for uh, joining me today on Finding Peaks. Um, you know, I'm following up the last couple times I've hosted, uh, we've talked about grief. And so I wanted to keep it light today and bring up um, shame, if we could, and uh, resilience and, uh, and even self-forgiveness if we could. But uh, obviously I say that in some jest, but um, I'll start with kind of talking about what shame is. Um, and I learned a lot about shame in all fairness uh, from Brene Brown. Um, I actually had the privilege of uh, being trained by her specifically in 2012 at Naropa University up in Boulder. Wow. And um, it was a phenomenal conference that she put on. Um, and I'm like, whoever this is, <laughs> I, I like what she's talking about, but I don't like the topic. Mm. Um, and so shame is pretty much defined as uh, feeling bad about who you are. And um, Usually shame statements start with the words I am, um, and then, uh, and the thing about shame is we all have it. It's ubiquitous. Every single person on the planet, pretty much, with a few exceptions probably, um, carry around shame. We all have it. And um, the tricky thing about shame is it tells us uh, that if we talk about it, if we expose it to the light, people will want to flee from us. They won't want to be in relationship with us anymore. Um, and so we tend to hide it. And then it is that very hiding of the shame that causes it to get worse, and it reinforces itself. And then, frankly, uh, the reason I think it's such an important topic for us to talk about is that I think it's one of the huge leading factors that lead people into relapse, either on substances or with their mental health issues, Always. is that they just are calling themselves a piece of garbage all the time. And when, and when that is the message that somebody is telling themselves all the time, then that is... Uh, how they're going to begin to act and behave. Um, and so that's just kind of my little uh, overview of what shame is, uh, and it sets the tone for this. Um, and the other thing that I do want to point out, we all have it, and then usually when we talk about it, we usually feel even more of it for a minute. And so I just want to acknowledge that if, if people are watching at home or whatever and we talk about shame, well, you might experience a little bit of it. But stay till the end, because we have a solution for it. Um, make, make friends with it. Make friends with your shame. Uh, <laughs> invite it on the couch, take a let seat. It, let it sit, chat. Yeah. Um, it's already talking to you, so you might as well invite it in. Um, anyway, so there's my intro. Um, Samantha, I'm going to go to you first. And, and my question about shame is, how, how do you see it showing up uh, for you in your clinical work with clients? Oftentimes with our clients, I think shame shows up as any other emotion. They'll deflect to anger, sadness, frustration, um, wanting to leave, wanting to get out of the situation because their shame is so powerful, telling them not to talk about it. Yeah. We're going to talk about everything but this piece. And then as soon as you get to the shame with our clients, it's almost like they melt into re recovery and treatment and mm. wanting to get better now because they realize that they, we see them and that they're not 
worse, worse off for being seen. They're better off for being seen. Yeah. That's, that's good. No, and you're right, though. It, there, are, there, are, there is data to suggest that if you ask people, a group of people, what are the most destructive emotions that there are, they will always answer anger and fear every single time. Yeah. And that is not the case at all. Right. <laughs> actually, yeah. But no one ever, that didn't even make the top five. Right. But Shame by far right. is the most destructive. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but anger, close second, would be fear. And so I it makes sense that that's it. what you see the yeah. most of. Yeah. Mm. And I think, you know, I think you make a good point that people do often mislabel it. And, and you said it, I think, right before we came on the show here, but people often say things are embarrassing, but they're actually quite shameful, mm. right? Like embarrassment um, is, uh, is an emotion that we experience. It feels the same, like you flush, you might turn red or whatever, but, mm. but really embarrassment is categorized by, it's an emotion um, that is fleeting. Like it goes away very quickly with time. And usually you're going to laugh about it later. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. it turns out I do this whole show and I've got a booger in my nose, um, I'm, I'm going to have a, I'm going to feel embarrassed. I, yeah. I got a big one, bat in the cave. Um, but I'm going to feel embarrassed. But it could happen to anybody. And honestly, at some point I'm going to laugh and think it's actually kind of funny. Right. Yeah. If I experience it as shame, I'm just going to be like, I am such an idiot. Uh, because yes, I can't right. even take care of my well, hygiene. That, that makes total sense. You look at in, um, embarrassment, guilt is, is the amygdala guilt. in the brain, right? Yeah. And then you, you, you look at someone that's experiencing a lot of shame, it kind of is in the right, and it's up in the front. Yeah. Where does our sense of self come from? Or our projection of ourself in the future? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the up front. there in the front. So, yeah, it, it totally makes sense that those would be very different um, consequences yeah. to both of those things. Guilt. 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 Guilt's what, yeah, guilt, yes. you know, it comes and goes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Guilt keeps us in the parameters of society, and it is very, I think it's constructive. I don't, I'm not going to steal this. It's all good because I know that that's wrong. And then with the shame piece, it's like, this is me. I'm Like, uh, the, my core, this is me, a me problem. And it's, it's not something that comes and goes, and that's, it's like you are that thing, you know? I get that on the, the phone a lot from people too, where they say, he has no shame. He is shameless. Mm. He's using drugs in my house. He's doing this, he's doing that. It's like, he doesn't have it, he is it. Yeah, that's, that's what it is, you know? Yeah. It's not something that he has, it's something that he is. And when you put it like that, people take a step back. It's not, that's not an accountability issue, that's a, a place of being issue. Yes. Yeah. When I and I, you are exactly right. And I've I've shared this on Finding Peaks before, but you know I, I I've done a group on shame, and I I love to ask like who in here feels like they're the worst person on the planet, and at least half the group raises their hand. And I think you're exactly right. Yes, they're using drugs in your house, not because they don't feel it, but it's literally because oftentimes the very things they're telling themselves are just reinforcing. Like if if you if I'm the worst person on the planet. Of course I use drugs in my parents' house. Makes sense. Like, right. I'm the worst person on the planet. That's mm -hmm. what I'm calling myself. And that is a very shameful statement. Mm. And, and not feeling shame is about, would be about, like, I'm trying to cause harm to other people. Like, right. I, have, I have malice in my right. intent. And, and I honest, I've done this work for 22, 23 years now. I, I can't think of a single person that I felt like has true malice that they no. really are trying to be that destructive. You said something in one of our um, 
it's in one of our trainings with, with admissions, he said, people's behaviors make sense. Yeah. And you say this to me all the time, yeah. people's behaviors make sense. If you, if you take that lens and you look at everything through that lens, that behavior makes sense, you can access way more compassion for people. Yeah. You, people do what they feel that they are, right? And so him hiding out in, in your basement, you know, doing, that totally makes sense. Because yeah. he's, he's the POS, right? Because he's whatever. Yeah, people's behaviors make sense. That has really helped me in a lot of situations. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So how, how do we build resilience with people? Because that's the opposite of shame, right? Is to, to work on building resilience um, within them. And, and Sam, I'm going to throw that question to you, of course. I think it's compassion and empathy is the biggest one, which is so Brene Brown of us. Mm -hmm. To say empathy is the, it's the light that heals the dark part that we want people to see. Yeah. Um, Empathy for self, empathy for others. Sometimes when you can sit with another person in your shame and they can share their shame and you can have a moment of you're both in your shame and it's okay and you still value each other, care about each other and can love each other after the fact, mm -hmm. then there's that empathy that we need that we can heal and move forward with. Love that. Yeah. yeah. Literally. Compassion. It's a sit in suffering. Yeah. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. the, the breakdown. You sit and you're suffering and you're sitting yeah. together. Together and that's it. Right. So community, I yeah. guess. Two powerful there. words. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a powerful statement there. Mm -hmm. That's the double whammy. You can sit and do the me too. That's it. That's your that's answer. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you maybe a little bit more of a personal question. Like, how have you built resilience for yourself Ooh. in your journey? Okay. I'll tell you a story about it. Shame storm. <laughs> okay. Happened? Okay. Yeah, usually okay. there's another four letter word on the front of that. Yeah. Something crazy. Um, so, early on when I was in treatment, I had a couple housemates that I was feeling kind of close to. You start kind of dipping your toe in, checking people out. Maybe, maybe they're cool with me. Maybe people want to be friends with me, you know, and you start trying different things out. And I will never, ever, ever forget this. Till the day that I die, I was sitting with someone that I really felt like we were getting close. And she said, we were talking about family, and I told her that my brother was currently addicted to my drug of choice. And she goes, what are the odds of that, that he would, be, he would find the same thing that you're on? And I said, well, no, it makes sense, because I introduced him to it. And, and she stopped, and she looked disgusted, and she said, I have a brother. I would never do that. And it still makes me a little emotional because I'm still working through yeah. it. I'm still human. But all I needed to hear was like, oh, me too, or I've done something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I have a brother. I, I can't imagine doing that. And it was just like a storm. I mean, yeah. I was like, this is, no matter how much progress I make, this will always control me. It doesn't matter what I do, how far I go, I will always carry this around with me for the rest of my life. Um, so in that moment, I was able to just think about what other people had been telling me that was working, which was, you are enough. I mean, this was constant. You're enough. You've always been enough. You're enough. Then you'll always be enough. And so I went into that mode, and I had, um, maybe it was you, Jason, one of the clinicians telling me that in that moment, and that's what, because I can't access that. That self-compassion piece, we're not there yet. That's light years away at this point. 
And that's something that was really helpful. And now I can do it for me some of the time. Um, yeah. That's and, it. Well, actually, you just, honestly, you modeled resilience, too, by just kind of talking through that <laughs> story and, and getting kind of caught up in it. And yeah. I think that takes a tremendous amount of courage. Thank you. But that's what weakens shame, mm -hmm. I think, is when we own our story, the good, the bad, the ugly, I think that's what helps build our resilience. Always. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Sam? I think it's hard to speak to resilience and things when we just witnessed it and got to see that you have compassion for yourself, that you trust two people, mm -hmm. that you and I don't know each other well, you and Jason have known each other for years, that to sit down and sit in that mm -hmm. with us, I just, it's an honor. Mm -hmm. And I think talking about it being an honor is important and being able to say like, thank you mm -hmm. for doing that mm -hmm. is important in these moments, past the educational piece. Oh. Go grab a coffee later. We're gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. We'll let you guys have a moment, but um, <clears throat> Sam, I do feel I do feel like it's important. Like, how how do you see our curriculum kind of meeting people with their shame, and and how do we address it kind of as an organization? Yeah, I think the way that I've seen it done in groups, and I think you actually taught me how to do it in the, these groups, is kind of facing it head on. Is Let's bring it to the surface, mm -hmm. and then let's remind you that you're enough, that you're going to be enough, you have been and you will be. And I think we also implement this beautiful thing of inner child work that lets us um, let your inner child know that you were enough then, too, mm. and lets the grown-up version of you go back to that inner child and bring it on this journey of self-compassion. And self-acceptance, I think, is before self-compassion. We have mm. to accept who we are, what we've done, the child version of ourselves, what's happened to, to us, in order to then move into that compassion piece. And I think our curriculum brings all of that to surface and then lets us sit with our clients and say, like, you're enough, you've mm -hmm. been enough, you're going Always. to be enough. Right. Always. And this intrinsic value piece is so hard. It, yeah. it's, it, it's a hard, if someone doesn't have that intrinsic value, where, where do we even start? Like, how to treat other people, how to treat yourself, forget it. Yeah. That, that's ground zero. That is like <laughs> the foundation of anything is, are people worth something, not because of what they do, but because they exist? Yeah. I think all good treatment needs to start right there. Yep. Right there. That's the, the core of this thing. Yeah. And, well, you and, as and you shame are. tells you right. everyone else has value. Like, but I can you. see it in everybody <laughs> else. Yeah. It's exactly right. Exactly. Right. Except for you. It's beautiful when we run the groups and clients can look at each other and say, like, I feel shame about this, and then we're like, can you say that to anyone else in the room? Can you say that to an inner child of yours? And they're like, absolutely not. No one else deserves to hear that except for me. Mm. And that brings it to life when they can be like, oh, I also don't deserve to hear that. And hearing those moments in groups and in sessions when clients can say, oh, I also don't deserve that, that's when the light switch changes mm. for them, and they can start building that compassion and that intrinsic value. Mm -hmm. mm. What I, I have found, it, it is amazing... Um, it probably was me who told you you are enough. It is amazing just um, making those efforts to um, begin to replace some of those messages, right? Because ultimately, the other thing that's kind of at the core of shame is that what we really want is to be fully known and fully accepted. Seen. And to have people be in relationship with us anyway, right? Like they accept us even if they see all those things. And the other thing that I think um, 
we hold true, and I, I actually was talking about this with our, with our leadership on Monday, um, this last Monday, um, that like we, everybody, we are all doing the best we can. When clients walk into our door, that hard story you just told about your brother, even in that moment, you were doing the best you could with what you had. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when we can find that in people, like not only does people, does all behavior make sense in context, but people are really doing the best they can, even if, it, even if they're using and they're in the basement of the parent's house and they're going against the rules and they're violating their probation or whatever might be happening, likely at the core, they're just right. trying to do the best they can. They, right, and that was the bid. That was the bid there. Maybe, maybe we could be closer or I'd have someone in this with me. Yeah. That behavior makes sense. Yeah. And then it's easier to segue into the forgiveness thing. Oh. That behavior makes sense. I understand why I did that at that time. Yeah. When I hear you guys talking about this, I think of um, moments in individual sessions and in groups when clients can say that they don't blame their younger self anymore, that they blamed themselves for this pain that they are feeling and this, when they can turn around and say, like, I don't blame myself anymore. Like, of course I was a 17-year-old kid struggling because of everything around me, like, that makes sense to me. And it's, I can't talk about, I tear up most of the time talking about this, but how beautiful it is to watch a client realize that, sit in that, and say, like, I don't, don't, I'm not mad at myself for that anymore. I can forgive my younger self, which inherently leads to forgiving themselves now. Touch and go as it comes up. Yeah. As it comes up. Because I've done it. I'm like, I'm enough. <laughs> and I believe it. And it's real. And, it's, and I'm in it. And it's like, it feels great. It feels great. And then something else might come up. Right? Yeah. Something else might come up. Oh, my gosh. We're back, we're back to square one. That's okay. That's the deal. I don't know if there's ever a total resolution on some of that. We don't need resolution. We just need recovery. That's it. And that feels a little bit like the human condition of right. this is going to keep coming up and there's going to be tension between like, I feel bad about myself, I feel bad mm-hmm. about this thing, I feel poorly, and there's tension there. Totally. And then leaning into that tension, which is the shame, right. and then we can move on, it, move on again and grow and have empathy for ourselves right. again. That's why I think we could throw out the, the relapse prevention piece of shame. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do when you're bored? Or what are you going to yeah. do? You know, it's like... People will actually get through those things. People will get through boredom. People will get through. There's, people are resilient. The whole relapse prevention could just be like, how do we, how do we cope with, how do we wrestle with shame? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that would be good enough. That would be actually the whole enchilada right there. Yeah. I think it'd be way more successful than, than the other thing you talked about. And I think it is what I think we work pretty diligently to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's, my, it's our focus, I think, as a clinical team to say, we want to create the confidence to say that when I bump into shame, I know what to do. Right. It doesn't make it feel better in the moment. It doesn't mean that like when you are in the midst of this or when you have an interaction with somebody and they hit your shame gremlin right where you didn't think it could be hit anymore and you plunge into it. um, We want to build a path, a process, an understanding like, okay, I know I need to reach out to people. I can't do this alone. I need to find my me too people that can just sit with me and say, I get it. I've been here too. Full stop. Like there isn't a solution. There's just like, just having that empathy, that, that person that can just sit in the dark with you. Um, 
and that's what I think we are trying to do is to say that, right? And I think, can, you, can people walk out of peaks and hopefully walk into a lower level of care that's a whole other discussion and find a way to build, have enough resilience to say, okay, I know how to do this. I can walk this path. I know, because the other thing shame lies all, to me about anyway is that I feel like I'm going to feel that way forever. This, the moment the shame gremlins come in, I'm like, this is it. <laughs> I'm going I'm to feel like this forever. Um, and just finding that hope and that process of being like, okay, I actually do know how to walk through this now. I have a path. I have a process. Right. Mm. I think we as like the first people to interact with our clients get to be the people that show them that it's, there is a me too. There is sitting with mm -hmm. someone in the darkness. It's not lonely and it's not that, which then gives them the courage. They build the courage to go out and find other me too people and find those people mm -hmm. for themselves. And they get that um, empowerment to be able to find it because we've shown it to them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of that first steps of it all is showing them that they're not alone in that. Right. That's why I love disclosure. I think disclosure. <laughs> let's go there. Like, that's why I think it, it's so, so important that we're able to carefully and thoughtfully disclose our experiences. Mm -hmm. There are times where it's not helpful, for sure, but like, that's an opportunity to, to help reduce or minimize or at least just simmer down a little bit of shame. Mm -hmm. Worthwhile. Yeah. Absolutely worthwhile. You know? And you also said something interesting, Jason. You said, I am statements mm. are powerful, and yeah. they are. They yeah. have a lot of power. I am what? Yeah. And that's why I love the direction that we're moving, because I remember this too distinctly, if we're talking about shame, walking into a, an old school traditional meeting, and they said, I said, I'm a person in recovery, and I was really just delighted yeah. to say that. Right? Yeah. And they said, we don't say that here. I am what? I'm a person, I am what? Oh, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. Yeah. Our clients are so much more than yeah. that. They are so much more than that. And that's yeah. so reductive. And even that statement, I am an addict or an alcoholic, if behaviors make sense, yeah. what does an addict do? What does an alcoholic do? Yeah. There's so much more than that. I'm so much more than that. So. That's my bed. And, you, and you are right from the beginning. Like you, right. you, you don't become more. Right. Than that. You, you always walk in. Were you are. That. If you're struggling with addiction right now, you're still more than your addiction. It's just really masking it. Right. So I think you know we're we're kind of coming up against the clock here. But Madeline, you shared kind of before. I want to take us out with with the meditation you shared, and and this is the type of thing we do, like kind of a little mindfulness to kind of walk through All the time. this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So if you wouldn't mind doing your meditation, and this sure. is how we'll kind of uh, end our episode. Love it. Okay. Close your eyes. <laughs> oh, we're doing it. All right. We're going to go back to a time in your mind that you felt overwhelmed or totally enveloped by shame. And then I want you to think about what you needed to hear after that moment what you would have liked to hear after that moment. And then, we'll sit on that for a second, what you needed to hear in that moment. Okay, now I want you to think about a person, or two people, or three, if it's a real bad shame spiral you were in, <laughs> three people 
that you deeply respect and admire. And then you can imagine them saying that thing to you that you needed to hear over and over and over. I'm enough. That's it. I'm enough. Mm -hmm. I've I'm always enough. been enough. <laughs> I'll always be enough. I'm enough. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. What a what a great way to end. I do appreciate you both coming on our show again. Thank you for that. Um, I'm Jason Friesma, I'm signing off. Uh, like us on Facebook, Instagram, the other ones, and uh, TikTok. Uh, and uh, we'll do this again in a couple weeks. Uh, thank you all, and uh, have a good one.